0: You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada at CFRC, 1019 FM, Queen's University Campus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Screening in Kingston in quarantine,
1: day um, one million,
0: day one million. It's it has just <laughs> seemed like we've been doing this forever,
1: and it will go on
0: forever. for forever. That's what just it just feels like. This is life now, and it's it's not uh, it's not my favorite. But we're here to distract people, and we're going to have a lot of fun today. Good. Today's a real fun episode because we've got I'm a excited. couple fan questions that are really fun. Um, I also forgot, and I apologize in advance. And I will apologize again when we get to the question, but Austin had written in a little fan casting thing for you to do um, that was going to be part of our mailbag show, but we right. ran out of time. And then I was going to do it next, the, the following week, which was last week, and then we ran out of time. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Austin. I, I'm, I'm sort of pulling the Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon thing and saying that we'll, we'll eventually get to that. So we are going to do it today. Cool. We're going to have Taylor fan cast this, this unknown thing that she knows nothing about um, today. Fun. So that'll be fun. So lots of great fun. And before we get started, um, so as, as most people know, if you listen each week, we're, we're in week two of our April Movie Club. Uh, this week is a movie that I selected that I thought Taylor would hate, and that's basically the theme. We go back and forth. Next week will be one that Taylor picked that she thinks I'll hate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and we actually had quite a bit of people commenting on Twitter oh. about your, your hatred for Captain America.
1: Oh, I, I saw it yes, uh,
0: quite a quite a few people chimed <laughs> I'm in. I'm
1: glad they don't know my Twitter handle. No, they
0: don't. don't. No one's <laughs> adding you, luckily, and 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 you're lucky because in if if some people could find your Twitter handle if they really looked, because uh, there may be there may be some tagging in screening in Kingston's past for both of us.
1: Um, Yeah, if you're a good detective. Yeah,
0: you could find it. But uh, But don't. A a lot of people chiming in here just saying that, like, how could you hate Captain America? And people think I'm wrong. Uh, the, The majority here thinks that you're going to like Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, and I, I mean, I certainly picked it thinking that you probably would hate it on the surface, but maybe you would grow to like it because it does stand well on its own. Um, but quite a few people uh, chiming in about that. So the prediction here is that, Taylor, you're going to like this movie. Truth and time will tell. Yeah, well, we're only a couple of <laughs> weeks away. I mean, it's the last <laughs> one and it's, it's definitely garnering the most conversation so far. So uh, other than the fact there's a lot of people who love Loretta Lynn out there. Um, did
1: did you get a lot of feedback?
0: Quite a bit, and mainly just how much people love her. Um, got a couple things on Instagram and a couple emails from people just saying that they really love Loretta Lynn, so they they really love that movie. Um, which again is like that's fine. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing. If you like the movie because you're like if you like the person, then it kind of doesn't really matter if the movie's good. Like you're gonna you're gonna love the you love the subject matter, so therefore you're you're gonna kind of like it. My only thing was just I don't understand the the appeal of that film because apparently it was, it was relatively like I don't know if it was huge but like it, she has such a following that clearly people
1: I think to it. I don't know like I mean I don't know if this is good in the grand scheme of things but it was the seventh highest grossing movie of that year
0: which is pretty good I mean that yeah, means, like yeah that's like that's pretty good
1: and it was nominated for
0: Oscars I don't think it won.
1: Anything, I don't think it, it? I don't know if it no, won but, it was, but it was it was nominated
0: and hey I mean I'll, I'll admit I mean her singing was quite good um uh Sissy Spacek um her singing was great good yeah. role um Tommy Lee Jones is usually solid um I have a lot of feelings about the content of the movie, but hey, yeah, lots of lots of love for Loretta Lynn. A lot of people saying a couple. I'll read a couple things from Instagram here that um, a lot of people are saying that Loretta Lynn has been uh, a big passion of mine for years. Love her music and love her story um, ever since I heard the Coal Miner's Daughter. So clearly, I think the song resonated with a lot of people, which I didn't realize that the movie was named after a song. I th- I thought it was just referencing to her being. Cole Myers' daughter and becoming a it's star. It's the
1: name of her autobiography as well as the song.
0: Oh, oh really? Okay. So there yeah. you go. So the name really resonates them with a lot of people. Um
1: she sang a lot about um sort of like lower like blue-collar women which didn't obviously like I don't know, pop culture typically does sort of like middle class or like the rich. But she certainly talked about issues that impacted sort of lower class women.
0: Hey, and it makes sense. she clearly found her audience um, and lots of, even even to this day, she clearly seems to still resonate uh, with people. so
1: who gave don't... that comment? You didn't say who said it?
0: Uh I would have to let me hold on, let me find the Instagram handle here. It's
1: gonna be like NHL38. Or maybe exterior. it's like
0: I love Loretta Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Let me find. I gotta find. Because
1: you know, let's give credit where credit's due. The Loretta Lynn fans
0: need recognition. Which, hey, they're out there. The clearly um, uh, at uh, Geo Landon. There you go. At Geo Landon uh, loves Loretta Lynn. Um, but there's another one here. Let me see if I can grab the other comment to somebody else. Uh, wrote in oh at, at at country star and then a million threes. Um, yeah, there, you <laughs> so go. there you go. Uh, yeah, love this movie when it first came out. Uh, every couple of years, I give it a rewatch. It's an absolute favorite of mine. Love her music and love the performance of the leads, which is again I can't argue with that. I, I you know they great performances. You know it's pretty good. Um, Okay, going to uh, some, some general fan questions before we get started into the review, because Tyler Vance, who's writing along and streaming along, has, has some thoughts, some, some open-ended questions for us actually to consider with this okay. documentary. So we'll get to that in a second, but we'll start off with Josh, who is continuing to ask questions. Um,
1: And why not when we're in quarantine? Of course. Hey, I
0: I keep telling him. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like he's going to run out of questions, and he doesn't seem to think it's possible. So he says, oh, hey. So for both of us, uh, what's your favorite movie soundtrack? That's Uh, a a really interesting question.
1: I like the collected sound. And this, of course, no surprise. Wes Anderson Always, Well, not always, um, but kind of in the middle, His the movies in the middle of his career have really great soundtracks. Or, well, I would say all of them have good soundtracks, but the ones in the middle of his career, he used a lot of, like, 1960s pop music. And so those are all really good. Yeah. So, like, the Royal Tannenbaums... Um, Uh, Rushmore. They have really good soundtracks. Um, The soundtrack from Life Aquatic is covers of David Bowie sung in Portuguese. So that's an interesting one.
0: Interesting. Okay. But the ones where he
1: he specifically curated these soundtracks and a lot of it, it's like um, a lot of the kinks, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. all of those are really good.
0: I think that Wes Anderson is one of the like directors and, and one of the filmmakers that consistency his consistency with using music well. I think yeah, I, like I know, you know how you can notice music, but in a really positive way versus noticing mm-hmm. it in a negative way. Like you notice the music, but in a really good way, in a really powerful way. So that's a good choice. Um, I don't know if I I have an an overall because like there's been a lot of like really amazing scores and soundtracks. Like I still think the Indiana Jones series and and um, all of those films that uh, John Williams does have has always been very good. Um I've been a real big fan of of kind of his stuff. Um but recently I, I meant to bring this up immediately but this is a good time. Now I actually recency bias, I just watched The Gentleman. Um yes. uh, which is a film that you you talked about a little bit ago and I just watched it, was it this good, week. Right? It was very good and I actually really like the use <laughs> of music. It, it's one of the rare movies where I kind of was like, oh, the music's really helping. Like, it's really adding to the atmosphere of this film. Um, but again,
1: Guy Ritchie is so um, calculated. Not calculated, it's kind of like a negative word, but he's like very intentional in yeah. all of his film choices. Oh, so absolutely. I'm not surprised.
0: Which is what makes Aladdin so confusing to me. It will um, remain confusing. Like, like, I just, I don't. Guy Ritchie, great director, Aladdin, like loved that as a kid so like you're putting two things together that I like and it just like didn't work
1: I'm still hoping he's taking that money to self-produce the sequel to uh man from uncle man from
0: uncle. yeah I hope so I mean he sure got paid a lot did I mean, you see would've... the
1: man from uncle poster in yes, the yes it's
0: great yeah that was fantastic <laughs> the man from uncle is an underrated movie I love that movie. so good I have it I watch it every once in a while like it's a real fun movie to just throw in it's, I'm gonna okay, ma- it's great
1: I watched, while I was watching the documentary you picked, I thought, man, I'd really love to watch The Man From U.N.C.L.E. right now.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I'll watch well, it tonight. I guess that tells us what you <laughs> thought of the documentary. Um, okay, moving on to another. Wait, thing.
1: no. I, I thought of some other soundtracks. Oh, you have more. Okay, want to. Yeah, I don't want to move along right away. Yeah, jump so, in. So, um, The Prince of Egypt.
0: Oh, great soundtrack.
1: <laughs> and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar.
0: Also jesus christ superstar to, has a really good soundtrack yeah jesus christ superstar is a great soundtrack like and the
1: original music yeah you're talking the, about the original yeah. one yeah, yeah okay
0: well if we're gonna open this up to to animation uh, and musicals uh, i'll say animation wise um tarzan uh phil collins yeah. great soundtrack and uh i mean chicago has a great soundtrack uh lots of great uh singable numbers in there and uh, the greatest showman also has a great soundtrack probably about like seven or eight songs that are like play in your car and belted for those people who like doing that so you know those are those are also some good ones yeah uh next question now we can move on okay great uh (laughs) what is the most overrated movie franchise of all time
1: that's hard to say
0: that is hard to say because you kind of bring in your own bias to it um But, I mean, I don't understand how Twilight got so many films. I'll say that.
1: You know, a controversial opinion, if we're going to mention Twilight, Harry Uh, Potter. I know.
0: Oh, what? Well, okay. I mean, okay, explain yourself first (laughs) before I react.
1: I don't think the movies necessarily got better as the franchise went along.
0: I will agree with that.
1: And so, like... I don't know, you can't, you, you can't just be like, this is a good thing because everyone read the books and we're obsessed with mm-hmm. the intellectual property. Yes,
0: I will agree with You know with what that. I mean? I think the mistake they made and where they started to flounder was they stuck with the same director for the final couple. And he's the same director who's still doing the, the Fantastic Beasts movies. David Yates is not a good director.
1: I liked the first two ones.
0: The first two, Chris Columbus, though, directed yeah. those. And Chris Columbus was the correct director for Harry Potter. He directed Home Alone. He directed, yeah. like, those kind of, like, great Did kids. Did he pass away? No, no, no. They just repla- every couple of movies, they would replace the director. So. Uh, but for some reason, they liked, David Yates, I think, got along really well with J.K. Rowling. So I think that that they formed a friendship or had a good, like, working relationship, so she really trusts him. So David Yates, I think, did the final four films, I want to say. And and to me, the first two are really good, and I even like Prisoner of Azkaban, but they only used that director once. It's so, like, they used Chris Columbus twice at the beginning, one director for the third one, and I think the, like, the next one had two directors, and then it was David Yates for the rest, something like that. Like, they changed it up.
1: It's so, like, totally, it's different. Oh, like, yeah. I don't, if 100%. you're going to make a friend. I don't know. I think most franchises are overhyped. Like (laughs) I don't
0: (laughs) really. That's so shocking to hear from you, Taylor. (laughs) Aside
1: from Hannibal, I don't really care much for like a specific. Like I'll I'll be honest. When I was like sixteen, I sat in line for good seats for Twilight, but I was also dumb
0: but like okay to that's me, the
1: only movie where to that me, was the only franchise where i was like really into but i think that it was appropriate for my age yes
0: yeah. but to me there's a massive difference between twilight's like just the quality of filmmaking and the quality of dialogue writing and all those things that make a film a film and harry potter because the thing is i recently rewatched the final two harry potter movies which i think were actually the worst and the acting is solid the production values are solid the writing is still relatively solid like it's still of a quality twilight that that like second i i don't even think i finished the series i think i i watched the second last movie and it's so unwatchable
1: that it's I, trash. I yeah i
0: don't even understand as as someone who's younger how how you could like it cuz even as a teenager and a preteen there are there are movies that you were supposed to love that like i did not like that much you know like i i wasn't just falling into it like i think that that's you know
1: I should also say that I aged out of Twilight as it was happening. And that
0: must have hurt your perception of the whole series.
1: So, like, each book came out. I think it was, like, grade 9, book 1 came out. Grade 10, book 2. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, like, literally yeah. grew as the series came out. And by, like, grade 12, I'm like, this is horrible. Because, <laughs> like, my, <laughs> my reading comprehension... Had like outpaced the series, yeah, and so it was the same with the movies. So like the first two movies, I was like kind of into, but then by like the third movie, I'm like this is trash. So I don't, I didn't even finish. Yeah. Like, like I wasn't like devoted to the franchise until the end. And I that, think that's the problem. Like,
0: yeah, that is the problem. They just
1: disappoint
0: for sure. For sure. And the I think, longer
1: the franchise has time to go on.
0: And I think it's hard to, to translate from, from a book to a movie, especially with that. like, movie, like Books coming out every couple of years and, and reading something is different because you, you yourself add so much to that. So when by the time a movie comes out and you've seen multiple movies based on the book, if you've read the book, you're probably going to be disappointed because they have to cut stuff out. And they have to change things and things are not going to look the way you are perceiving it. So I think that that does happen. But, yeah. No, those are good choices. Um, next question. What movie or TV character have you felt the strongest connection with? It could be because you were able to emphasize with them or because you see yourself in them. So is there a TV character or a movie character you've ever felt a strong connection with?
1: I'm trying to think. Like I can't, like off the tip of my tongue. Well, you know,
0: that's that's the that's the idea of these questions. You know, you just got. Well, throw... you answer first. Um. Okay. <laughs> well. Hmm. That's. I think what's what's difficult for me is I've never seen myself in another character, but I I definitely when it comes to emphasizing with someone or like grabbing onto something and like understanding them, I get the tragedy of Javert from Les Mis, because, no, listen, hold on, everyone laughs, so all he's trying to do is, is follow the law, and he's, he becomes so obsessed with hunting someone down that it basically destroys him and kills him, right? I can understand the obsessive quality of, I have to do this, I feel there's been a wrong, and I must know, now go right that wrong, I've always found that to be a fascinating character, not necessarily because, like, I see myself in that, but I find that to be intriguing and some of the most interesting things. Like, in the first Saw movie, I think a completely underplayed part of it is, is um, um, Danny Glover's character, who is the policeman whose partner is killed at the beginning and becomes completely obsessed with this, this murderer, and it destroys his life. And he's obsessed and chasing after him. And he's doing it with all the good intentions. But good intent, like there's a saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I really love seeing that come to fruition in TV and, and film. So those types of characters I always find fascinating and always perk up when that type of obsession of a character happens.
1: In another life, you'd be an obsessive yeah, and like, murder maybe, investigator. Yeah, maybe that's
0: what I could, I could see myself becoming so obsessed. True
1: detective. Yeah,
0: with like tr- hunting someone down that I that I leave everything behind to do that. Maybe, maybe there's a part of me in that, but I've always found that very interesting.
1: I um, relate to George Costanza and Elaine from Seinfeld. Okay. <laughs> I see myself a lot in both of those characters, mm-hmm. different aspects yeah. of myself. Yeah. And Dan and I are rewatching Community right now because it's on Netflix.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And
1: I'm a little bit of an Annie sometimes. I could see
0: that. I could see yeah. that for sure.
1: So I guess those would be George, Elaine, and Annie. And I'm sure there are movies. Like if I like thought really hard on it, I could think of characters that I really like identify with. But I think with TV, it's easier because you spend so much time with the
0: characters. Totally agree.
1: Well, not that like with a movie you spend maybe three hours with them, but with like a television show, you know, with like George and Elaine, that's like seasons. Like I think it's like eight seasons of Seinfeld, maybe Eight, 20, seasons,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> eight seasons, 20 minutes, 20, like 24 episodes That's per season. That's a long time to spend with like a character. Like hours Absolutely. and hours and hours. Absolutely. So um, I think it's easier to think of TV characters um, just because we spend so much time with them. Yeah. So that would be, those would be my answers. And I probably, my movie characters choices would be unflattering if I like thought too hard on it. <laughs>
0: Has anybody – oh, actually, we probably don't have time to get into it. I was going to ask – maybe this is something to think about and we can come back to this conversation if we have time. But I'm wondering if anyone's ever said to you, you're like a certain character in a movie or TV and you've disagreed. Because that's definitely happened to me where people have been like, you're 100% this person. And, and a lot of people have said that and I've never gotten it. So I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Maybe that's When thing Girls
1: was about. on.
0: Girls. Mm. I
1: got Hannah Lena Lena Dunham's Hannah oh, okay. like all the time. I've, I I thought only that's seen the most
0: clips from Girls, but I haven't seen the whole thing.
1: I think it's the most unflattering <laughs> comparison. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I think like certain aspects of her, right. certainly like I identify with certain aspects of her, but like in t- people be like you look like her. I'm like that's not a compliment. Like, why, <laughs> why? are you saying that?
0: Forever, people compared me to uh, Phil Dumphy from uh, Modern Family. The so, dad. The dad. So like, not the not like the the oldest guy, but like, yeah, the dad in the family. the
1: real estate dad. Yeah,
0: and like, I I still. But a lot of people who know me relatively well have said that over and over again, and I don't get it. Like, I've never seen it.
1: You're not that understand. dopey. No, he's exactly. Like dopey. He's dopey.
0: But he, I guess he's also just silly and I don't know. But anyway, that's an interesting thought. So uh, Josh decided to participate and so did another person in in the fan casting of us. Yes. Uh, so, Hopeville so wrote in. So, this is, these are Josh's thoughts, and then that will lead us into other people. Uh, so, he says for you, Taylor, knowing nothing about you aside from this show, um, <laughs> I'm so excited. And as Michael can attest to, I'm not very cultured in the arts. Here are my two picks Maggie Gyllenhaal or Zoe Deschanel.
1: Oh, those are nice. Well,
0: I could... Your voice, you sound like Maggie Hall sometimes.
1: Do you think so? Yes. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> I was watching... Um, a couple nights ago, I watched Stranger Than Fiction. Um, right. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And there was one... I had stepped out of the room or something, and there's one... Thing she says, and I, I could have sworn it was you. So I came in the room, <laughs> like, is my phone on? Like, are we connected? Who's, who's is Taylor trying to call me? Did I like, did I like pocket dial? Like, I was trying, I was, but then I realized, oh, it, it was the movie, and yeah, Meg, a hundred percent, you sound sometimes like Maggie Gyllenhaal, Hall for that's, sure. That's
1: that's flattering. I'll take it more than Zoe. Obviously, De- Zoe Deschanel is like very pretty and everything, but I don't know. I identify more with Maggie, so think, I'm gonna take the
0: Maggie. I think, like, surfacely. I could understand if someone doesn't know you and can just only listen to you where they would get that. But to me, Zoe Deschanel is completely in a different category in terms of, of even who you are and the way you express. Because I think Zoe Deschanel is like way too like, like nerdy, but, in, but closer to like my type of nerdy. Because you, you like Disney. Yeah, exactly. She's Disney nerdy, whereas you love kind of like vampires and different things, which again is something that I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is closer to.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, for me, he says Matt Damon and Jonah Hill are both solid choices that are hard to top. But alternatives that he would offer up is Jesse Plemons and or Josh Gad. Also, you basic. Okay, Josh. I don't know who, who Jesse is? Plemons is. Jesse. I've never heard of Jesse. How do you spell
1: his last name?
0: P L E M O N S.
1: I kind of yeah, I see it. In terms of looks.
0: Who is this person?
1: uh, He was on Friday Night Lights.
0: He was on Friday Night Lights? The
1: TV show.
0: Oh, who did he play? Okay,
1: let's
0: see. I saw saw a bit of the TV show, I think.
1: He played Landry Clark. What an American name, Landry. (laughs) And his movies include All the Pretty Horses, Like Mike, Observe and Report, Battleship, the Master, great movie. Black Mask, The Program, Bridge of Spies, Wait, American. Black Need. Mask
0: was he in um, the the USS Callister episode? This is, it, is
1: a film with Johnny Depp. Black Mask.
0: Oh, black. Oh, not Black uh, Mirror. No. Wait, I think we have the, different people because I've got one, Jesse Plemans, who was in Game Night, Black Mask, and I know this guy, and I think I think I could see.
1: This guy was born in Texas.
0: Uh, this 32. guy was also born in Texas and is also uh 32. So, yes, we have the same person. Yes, okay. <laughs> we're, just so, we're just looking at different credits for him. Yes, okay, I could see what he's saying. Okay, yes, that guy I've seen in a, a ton of things. I just didn't know his name.
1: I don't know what his acting's like, but in, term of, in terms of a look, yes. Like, I'm looking at a picture with him where his hair is kind of slicked back and he has like a little bit of a beard.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I could see where he's coming from with that, definitely um and you know it's interesting because it's it's hard because you're picking an actor because who who resembles the person enough to like have it be be realistic but then they also have to be a really good actor and fit the like the character of playing someone real that's what's kind of cool about this um well thank you josh for that stuff i want to just quickly jump in um to therese who is a first, I don't think she's ever written in. I don't recognize this My email. That name's not familiar. But she's jumping into the fan casting. Um, I like And it. so she's got a couple suggestions. So she says, hi, Mike and Taylor. I was just listening to your call out to get some fan cast- casting for both of you. I wanted to take this challenge because I can only hear your voices. So I thought that this would be a lot of fun um i decided to go for a younger cast for the two of you ooh. and go from if you were showing as kids or younger people just to oh, kind of get more elements so for taylor she says millie bobby brown ooh, um to play a young version of taylor who's just discovering her love of vampires and the wes anderson universe
1: fun
0: that's a good casting that's a yeah. I mean, great actor is going to clearly um portray you in a very cool way um now i don't she's not that young anymore is she i mean i i know she was young in stranger things but i think she's a little older now
1: she's 16
0: oh okay okay so she's still pretty young she'd yeah. have to
1: gain a little weight her face is too thin to be a young <laughs> tailor. <laughs> but she has the right nose
0: mm, okay okay but she needs to sense?
1: if she you know Actually, I'm looking at one picture of her where she's wearing, it's fairly like good, an eyeglasses campaign. Yeah, that Eye works. Eyeglasses
0: campaign? And it, yeah. And, oh, and it, it, it suits for you? Yeah, you like her
1: face thing. is a little bit more rounded out. Like it took a long time for me to lose my baby weight. You know how like kids have like, I don't know, like full faces? I had a very full face
0: you, growing up. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, because yeah, it takes a long time to kind of grow out of kind of that like baby look. Yeah, um, so this next for me, she picked someone who I don't recognize, but she at least gave a movie. Um, it, he he played one of the young uh, people in Rocket Man, so I guess he must have been uh, a young friend of one of the characters. I don't know Matthew Leslie? Um and I guess he was in Rocket Man, and he's quite young. Uh, and how do you that's,
1: spell his last name?
0: Uh, it looks like it's I L L E S L E Y, and I I actually I'm not familiar. He played
1: young Elton John. Oh, and he has like the same strawberry blonde hair as you. Oh
0: okay. Oh I'm looking at a picture of him now. Okay I don't remember. Um, oh yes okay yes there was that young Elton John thing at the beginning. Okay yes, I I keep forgetting that that movie they start out with him as a kid.
1: Yeah a Very true cool. biopic.
0: Well, well, thank you for doing it. I, Good I, that casting. Was, yeah, that was great to kind of do casting that was out of the, out of the norm of us now, like looking back at the past. Um, I also got, during, during our episode, I got a text message from my parents um, <laughs> where they did a fan casting for me. But it, they, they apparently my dad said this singer who's not alive anymore. But now I'm looking him up because I can't remember his name. And, I, of course, I've never heard of him. Um, George Michael?
1: George Michael.
0: I've never heard of that guy.
1: You've never heard of George Michael? No. But he has, also, he has your the same parents.
0: hair. He has the same hair as me, though.
1: He doesn't look remotely like you. No,
0: my parents don't know what I look like. Um, but <laughs> he's got—I mean, definitely when my hair is longer, he's I could a see British it. British pop musician. I've never heard of that name. I've never heard of George Michael. I'm not a music guy. I mean, I—I'm I, fine with music. I just—it's not my thing. It's not anything. I forgot
1: that he. Had- passed away
0: yeah again i did apparently he's dead and i didn't know anything about him so um but thank you everybody for participating in that and yeah if you have any more fan casting for us let us know um but right now we're gonna dive into the our film of the week our second movie in our april movie club and that is the documentary the last man on the moon Um, so i picked this one uh, I'd never seen it, but it was one I've always I've wanted to watch, so I decided to give myself a reason. Um, and we have a couple questions and thoughts from Tyler who wants to ask some open-ended questions. But first, let's hear from you, Taylor, and what did you think of this documentary?
1: Didn't hate it.
0: Okay, <laughs> good start. I
1: think, the t- <laughs> I think the tell of a good documentary is that the filmmaker's make you passionate about a subject, even if you weren't passionate with it to begin with. So like they had an upward, an uphill battle because Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in the space race. Yeah. But a good documentary would have made me interested.
0: And did this pique your interest?
1: I was interested in the more human aspect of the space race but it's the things that they covered the least. So, like, the whole dynamic with the families and how they were friends and all the wives were neglected, Mm -hmm. you know, how they would party together, but then some of them passed away. Mm -hmm. All of that, to me, was very interesting, and it was kind of just, like... Mentioned. They would, like, (laughs) drop it into the documentary and then move on. Yeah,
0: that's very true. Yeah, that did happen.
1: So, in... My opinion, it, it didn't address the thing, it like piqued my interest in some areas, but then didn't develop those themes further, mm-hmm. which I think was almost the overarching argument of the documentary was that, you know, there's a human cost to um, sort of progress But they couldn't really make that argument because the person they were documenting probably wouldn't have made that argument. Right. He didn't have enough self-awareness. Like, there's glimpses. He kind of had a Taylor Swift moment where, like, (laughs) he would sometimes be, like, very self-reflective and be like, yeah, I was, like, selfish. And then he'd be (laughs) like, I wish everyone could see the moon. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm like, oh, my gosh, what a freaking weirdo. Like, to me, he was just, like, classic, like, 1970s man, like, right. obsessed with American progress. And, like, that's, like, interesting. But, like, he wasn't really in a place where he could unpack that. And right, I think right. the documentary could have done it. But they <laughs> they instead decided to, like, go the route of hero worship. Right. right. Um, So that's kind of my issue with the documentary is that i think it could have said something more interesting about progress and like technological progress and kind of the human cost to that um but in and they started to do that but instead they really wanted to be like look at this cool old man mm-hmm. who like now has a ranch mm-hmm. and like has been to the moon yeah
0: and no, i'm like I'm who cares them. yeah and and i think this <laughs> film suffered for me frankly because of that hero worship. Um, I couldn't agree with you more like that to me the film went into didn't go into more detail in the areas that I was interested in. Now I was interested in things that are a little bit different than you because I I'm more fascinated by what is the moon like. And what's the the potential of space travel in general and and kind of getting into all of that. And I think that it spent a little too much time putting people on on pedestals, which I don't –
1: Well, that's the thing. Like it didn't even – like they're like progress is good. But then they didn't even show us the fruits of that progress.
0: It's like if – you know when you – I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I always got this feedback when I would do essays in high school where they're like you can say something but then you have to prove it. Like you have to have three things. To like yeah. prove the thing you said, and I, and the I always sandwich, didn't. Essay. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so I felt like this documentary was that it would make statements, but didn't really spend enough time proving those statements. Um, but again, I mean, I think I, I did find the documentary interesting because I'm interested in this topic. But I I agree with everything you just said. I think the hero worship was a bit too much, and I I don't personally see space travel and and progress in that way. Being divvied up between countries, like I don't think that that's gonna get it done in the right way. I think you have to cooperate and, and kind of go out together for it to work. But um, I did again. I found I found it interesting the the Apollo missions leading up to this one, talking about a you know Apollo eleven and talking about the the ones that, that didn't go well and those things. like I found that interesting. But I definitely could have used more. Um,
1: I needed it. more context. Like they would mention how like. He was supposed to be a backup crew and then there was a really bad accident and the pilots died, but they didn't explain the accident at all.
0: Are you talking about the original, the fire or the other accident?
1: Like the airplane crash. Yeah,
0: the airplane crash. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm like, and then also the fire. Yeah. And then there's like a subtitle being like Apollo 13, after the disaster of Apollo 13. Mm -hmm. I'm like a... You're going to devote a one-sentence <laughs> screen cap to that?
0: Yes, because, you, Taylor, you have to watch the movie Apollo 13, okay? <laughs> That's the thing, though. This documentary, I mean, there's a lot of things that happened, and I think they had a focus point, so they had to give you little bits of the other Apollo thing. Like, that That type of stuff didn't bug me, mainly because I also knew. I know what Apollo 13 is. I knew about the fire that happened. I didn't know about the plane crash, but all these but things are points in history. But I think,
1: again, a good documentary... Mm. It's kind of like an essay, right? Mm-hmm. You need to make it with the with the assumption that your audience doesn't know anything about the topic.
0: You bring up a good point, definitely.
1: So I shouldn't have to read Wikipedia in order to follow the events of these Apollo missions. But
0: you do have to watch Apollo 13, Taylor. because everyone <laughs> else in the world has watched this movie, and you need to as well because you're part of the film community. You know, it's, it's it's if I said to you, I haven't seen Gone with the Wind or or something along a vein of like maybe it's not necessarily what I'm normally interested in, but you've got to see it. I mean, I've never been Avatar. that
1: person. I've never been the movie snob to be like, you have to watch this movie.
0: Oh, I'll be that. That's snob. not me. I think you gotta watch. I will
1: sometimes things. be like, oh, you haven't seen that.
0: Yeah, Taylor. But you never haven't seen like Apollo 13. No. You haven't seen Apollo 13. That's the thing. Like, it's, it's, I'm not the only one who thinks this. Let's fans bring it back
1: to the last man right in, on the moon.
0: Fans write in 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 mass volume and let's get let's get Taylor a copy of this movie. Mass volume. <laughs> call it now. But yeah, one, last man on the moon.
1: <laughs> one other thing I didn't like about it, and I've mentioned this about other documentaries we've watched, um, including the ones at the screening room. There seems to be this new trend in doc. Although this documentary came out in twenty fourteen, but I would say like in the last ten years, this trend to animate scenes. Mm-hmm. And there was that one scene mm-hmm. where they animated him, like essentially getting the call to mm-hmm. become an astronaut, mm-hmm. and then his initial training.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They did not animate any other scene in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of the documentary, which I have no problem with this. In fact, I liked it in a documentary. Like kind of that talking head yeah. interview where like they literally like they ask the person a question and then they film mm. them answering it. Mm. Um, they literally could have done that for the scene they animated. Yeah. I do not know why they did that.
0: And I I agree with you in terms of the consistency. Like, if you're going to do it once, have that be the trope you use throughout the the film. Because I actually prefer animations to the fake scenes they set up. Now, this actually leads into a Tyler Vance question, which, which we'll get to in a second. But I really didn't like the scene with his daughter because it was so clearly fake. You're, you're. I don't like in documentaries where you bring real people and make them have a conversation. It's why I don't like reality TV. There it's just were scripted.
1: Qu- quite a few scenes that seemed scripted to me.
0: Well, anytime he was interacting with
1: anyone, anyone,
0: like the the, <laughs> the photo opportunity with the grandkids and stuff. It's like it's clearly scripted. The or horseback scripted, riding, yeah, the horseback riding. <laughs> like it's just any time that you do that, like you're forcing quote-unquote realism, and that's why I don't like reality TV, because it's so clearly fake to me. Um, but this, So this brings into the questions that Tyler Vance, he's actually addressing things you just brought up. Um, so he, he wanted to um, assemble his random thoughts. So, so question one, how many tools are too many tools? So he says a documentarian has a bag of tools um, to use when telling a story like this. There's traditional talking head interviews, voiceovers, um, on-screen text, uh, archival footage, three D animation, stylized two D animation, photo montages. The documentary usually, usually this documentary uses all of these things to point to another. Sometimes. Uh, Only a total of once and then discarding them. And he even says, I knew we lost Taylor for good when the animation (laughs) section started. (laughs) Did the extensive use of strategies work for you or not? Or, like me, was it confused uh, at the decisions made? And I think you're bringing up a very similar point that he's saying. Like, maybe there were too many of these tools being utilized throughout this film. Because he brings up a good point. Like, you're. Animation once, setting up a scene a couple of times, uh, he, The text was very prevalent throughout this, but it's all these different things as opposed to one or two.
1: I think my, like, I'll acknowledge my bias. What I like in a documentary is archival footage, um, photographs from the time period, yeah, and talking head interviewing, and, like, narration. Mm-hmm. Like, that, to me, good. Um, I also don't mind pictograms, graphs, and maps.
0: Right. Yeah, no, you've <laughs> mentioned <laughs> Those are all good maps. things, yeah. too. Well, there was that great documentary that um, uh, that was about the sailing um, that used yeah. maps to kind of help show you where they were. And, like, that type of use is, is, is good. It help. It's helpful.
1: So, um... I'm certainly not opposed to tools. I just have particular tools that I like better than others. Yeah. But in this documentary, they certainly didn't use the tools to their advantage and they like the introduction of the animation yeah. to do it only once mm. doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that's something both you and I have pointed out like the consistency when making a film is something that we like to see. And if you're going to use something, if you're going to make it part of the film, like make it strategic and and use it. Utilize the tool and make it be part of the film experience as opposed to here's this random one scene and then never go back to it again.
1: And they probably didn't need the text on the screen um, because of the amount of sort of narration and voiceover. They literally could have just had him say what was on the screen and it would have felt like one of the interviews
0: yeah no i i completely agree i think there was using animation should be used for a reason like you're you some of the more technical elements of space travel you can show through animation to make it clear but that moment you really didn't need a talking head i mean you sorry you could just have done it with a talking head is what i meant Um, Yeah, you definitely bring up a good point. And um, Tyler's sort of second point, I'm just going to quickly for time summarize it, but basically he was talking about the same thing that I brought up about these conversations. So there's a scene where Gene arrives at the house in a white SUV, pulls beside an identical white SUV, and is greeted by his daughter. Then the two go over and sit on a... Swing and seemingly have a seemingly candid conversation about astronaut parenting standards. This is the first time we see his daughter as a grown. Weird. I love how it was father- so weird words things too Um, as a grown woman uh, the conversation itself should be hard hitting as an honest uh, depiction of American hero showing regret for past mistakes instead all I could think about was how artificial the whole thing is did he really just arrive in that SUV and share a greeting with his daughter or did she show up earlier with the camera crew so they could set up and drive back down the road
1: (laughs) she had no on screen presence no and I think
0: I think this is this is the thing that happens that people Don't realize happens in reality TV, and definitely happens in documentaries when they do scenes like this. Is it's 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 the second point that Tyler said is: Did they arrive first with the camera crew? They set up. Absolutely, they arrive first. They probably introduce and talk about what they want to do. And it's probably like not as – I'm making it sound like it's scripted. But it's scripted in the sense that the documentarian comes up and says, okay, Gene, you're going to drive in here. Just greet your daughter. Say hello. Walk over to the swing. And then just start talking about your background. Make sure to bring up the parenting. Talk to each other. And it seems wooden because they're not actors. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right? yeah it was, like it was embarrassing people.
0: yeah it, it was so I, I really think that it's that second one and to me that type of scene is what doesn't work for me in documentaries Yeah, not a fan um, and oh he uh, I love Tyler's send, send off so I'll just read it out uh, Tyler too real for this world Vance Uh, thank you Tyler for bringing in and and for participating and if anyone else does uh, stream along with us and have any thoughts on the films let us know uh, let us know and and on Twitter and Instagram is fine too we'll we'll find it if you want to contribute that way just send us a quick note as to what you thought about the film Um, but again so Taylor give us your kind of final overall thoughts Um, you said you didn't hate this so where where would you kind of rank this documentary
1: It wasn't a hate, but personally, it was a skip it for me.
0: So you wouldn't really watch it if you didn't have to?
1: Like, if I had to watch a documentary about the space race, I'm sure there's better documentaries.
0: Okay. yeah, I I, I mean, I agree with you. I I do think it was entertaining. So for me, it's like a stream it in the sense of if you like this, you're going to be at least entertained and interested in it. But yeah, there are better ones out there and there's even better films that are based on real space space events such as Apollo 13. So there's always, you know, there's always great space films out there for people. Um, well thank you everybody for for contributing and writing in uh, this week. Uh, next week is uh, I believe it's it's your Europe. The
1: Awakening of Maudie oh it's this one? Yes. Um
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> I'll
1: learn how to pronounce the name in time for next week.
0: Yes, uh, of Madi Walkenberger. We're assuming it's that, but it's something else. Yes, yeah, so that'll that will be next week. Also available on Netflix. Um, so be sure to stream along with us. Send in your questions and thoughts before we go today. We've I've left some time to do the fan c- casting that Austin requested. He did write in again and asked what happened with it. So again, Austin, like, I I'm I know. Kidding.
1: Abandoning <laughs> your podcast. You're horrible.
0: Austin, I can't apologize to you more. I, I wrote him a nice email and said it'll be in this week. It'll be in the last 15 minutes. I gave extra time for Taylor to get into some casting here because Taylor is going to cast the new X Men. So that's what we're doing. We're doing the All right. new X Men cast. Wolverine. <laughs> we're not going to start with Wolverine. <laughs> no, he, he, he Austin wrote up a little description. For, for some of the characters and get put okay. in order because Wolverine is too easy. So he, he wants you to do some of the other ones. Halle
1: Berry, a storm.
0: No, you can't. <laughs> you don't <laughs> think someone has already existed, Taylor. That's not the idea here. Okay. Uh, now you've seen some of the X-Men movies.
1: Well, clearly, I know Holly Berry plays Storm. Well, that doesn't mean you've so seen that it. That me.
0: I don't <laughs> know. That one's it. from
1: like the 2001.
0: Okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, Taylor is fan casting X Men. Time is on the clock. I'll move us through. Uh, we will start with Professor Charles. Xavier. So Professor Charles Xavier is the professor of the X-Men School. It's named after him. Uh, He is uh, British but has connections to upstate New York and grew up in upstate New York. His power is the ability to read someone's mind, manipulate thoughts. Um, He is usually portrayed as a bald guy um, and is stuck in a wheelchair uh, because of an incident that happened when he was younger. He's been played by Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy. So there you go. Charles Xavier Taylor, who do you cast?
1: This is a little bit tricky because in my mind, like because I was dialed into Tumblr for so long, Mm -hmm. Tumblr loved... The X Men with that like really good looking British actor
0: James who McElroy?
1: plays no the other one, Patrick Stewart. No, like Those you know how people. there's like the the good guy in the or wheelchair whatever. and then the yeah. evil guy, but they used to be friends. Yeah, what's the what's the Magneto evil guy?
0: is the evil guy. Who plays him? Uh, Michael Fassbender.
1: Okay, so Tumblr loved
0: Michael Fassbender
1: and. <laughs> The one in the James McAvoy,
0: yeah. Okay, yes. okay. <laughs> There's a like, lot are of fan fiction. They're all British. So first of all, they're all British actors.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of fan so, fiction about between the two oh, of yeah, them. I've seen some so, of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's I got to like clear my mind of that. Yes,
0: yes. So I mean, Professor, I'm going to tell you this though. Like Professor X was played perfectly by Patrick Stewart.
1: That's the thing. It's hard, right? Yeah, and, but I'm going to say know, Anthony Hopkins.
0: Interesting. Okay, Anthony Hopkins. Not a terrible choice. He'd have to uh, he'd have to shave his head, but I could see it. I could see Anthony Hopkins. Okay, Anthony Hopkins. All right. So why don't we uh, why don't we go right to Magneto then? Uh, Mag- Magneto, a former friend of Charles, is uh, a huge uh, he's a huge uh, believer in the rights for all mutants. His powers include the ability to manipulate and move metal, even the metal that exists within someone's body. He has been portrayed before by Ian McKellen and Michael Fassbender.
1: So I took Google skinny old white actors for this, because in my mind... pakes picture him.
0: I don't know. You're going old too, I guess. So you've decided you're casting the X-Men when they're older, not when they're younger. Because if 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 it's Anthony Hopkins, you have to find someone who matches the age for Magneto, right? Yeah. So,
1: so the man in black from Westworld, Ed Harris. Ed Harris.
0: Okay. Yeah. Ed Harris.
1: He's not as old as Anthony
0: Hopkins. He's not.
1: But I can see it. Okay. Like they they could have been like friends when one is older yeah. i have older
0: friends sure yeah so yeah, uh, yeah. Ed Harris. And, i mean ed harris is still like he's not super young i mean he's been around a while okay there you go um magneto edward harris okay so next we are looking at one of the uh one of the leaders of the x-men cyclops now cyclops um the actor must be able to act without his eyes being seen. Cyclops has the ability to basically shoot lasers from his eyes, but he can't control it. Uh, the only way that he can control is by closing his eyes. So someone created a device that sticks on his head, so he can kind of see, but he it's sees like a quite red. Differently.
1: It's like a red computer. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: he's been played by James Marsden. Um, as well as Ty Sheridan, so Scott Summers, Cyclops. He's been one of the leaders of the X Men. He is. Uh, he's got huge leadership qualities. You're basically looking at the the guy being like, "I would follow you." Um, very smart, uh, very good leader. So, who do you pick for Scott Summers, Cyclops? Hold on. Oh, I'll hold on while you research. We can, can hear you. Hear you type. Oh okay? yeah, type, 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 type. Uh... <laughs>
1: I'm thinking. Thinking is good. Troy from Community.
0: Troy from Community. That so guy. that's uh, Donald Glover.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, Donald Glover. Good actor. What makes you? Uh, what makes you pick Donald Glover?
1: I mean, I am watching Community right now. Oh, Okay, Recency but like, he bias. has a very like in his. He's also childish. Gambino mm-hmm. um, and in his music videos he has a very commanding presence
0: oh and he was great in the he was one of the highlights of the solo um, Star Wars movie that was about Han Solo he played a, a, a character in that again I can't remember Lando Calrissian a, a young Lando Calrissian and he was quite good in that as well so I mean he does have a commanding presence for sure uh, next we are going to cast Gene Grey So Jean Grey is one of the original founding members of the X-Men as well. She has very similar powers to Professor Charles Xavier, where she has the ability to move things, telekinesis with her mind, but she is often uh, in a situation where her power is simply too great um, for her and she becomes eventually the Phoenix character. So Sophie Turner has played her before. And uh, I can't remember the name uh, of the actor. Jennifer Lawrence. No, that's Mystique. Um, Jennifer Lawrence played Mystique. So this is Jean Grey, who um, was Sophie Turner and then was originally played by... Oh, um, uh, Famke Jensen. That's her name. Uh, she's been in a ton of things. Uh,
1: so she's like... she. Um,
0: she's definitely, again, another another leader within the X-Men. She's a very intelligent uh, scientist who is Pretty much as powerful as Charles Xavier, but has never really found her potential. She's a bit afraid of her powers and has a lot that's hidden on the inside.
1: And she goes evil.
0: She does eventually turn evil. And she is Florence
1: P- Pugh.
0: Florence Pugh. Okay. Very good. That's a great pick because Florence Pugh's a great actor and that would require a great role. And Florence Pugh and Donald Glover would be a cute couple and Jean Grey and Scott Summers are a couple. So,
1: Oh, there you go.
0: Works, you worked out really well. The
1: ages
0: work out. Okay, now we're we're into again. I'm going off of Austin's list here, so I don't have any say in this, but uh, I'm he's letting it cast Wolverine now, so <laughs> I don't have to say much about Wolverine other than he's been only new played
1: Wolverine
0: by Hugh Jackman. Now, think
1: the guy that plays Lestat or not, not Lestat, sorry, um, you know, on the new Beauty and the Beast, Gaston.
0: <laughs> oh, um. Yes, Evans is his last name. Um, isn't his last name Evans? Um, Dan, Dan, Luke Evans. Luke Evans, right? Yeah, yes. Luke Evans plays Gaston. Okay. So, interesting, because Wolverine... the One of the the only things that people said when Hugh Jackman was, was cast was that he's too tall <laughs> for the what? role. Because Wolverine's supposed to be this kind of short... Stalky. Stocky. Stocky, kind of like creature-looking-esque dude but then they cast a tall guy to play him and you did the same thing so that's that's interesting
1: well if Um, you want kind of like a creepy looking guy dan stevens
0: played the beast (laughs) 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 he's a creature feature yeah but that was that was mainly cgi wasn't it oh he doesn't really do
1: it for me but like some Girls are like, oh, Dan Stevens. He kind of looks creepy if you well, look at Stan him. Dan
0: Stevens in something, though? Like, before Beauty and the Beast, Dan Stevens was in something popular, wasn't he?
1: Downton Abbey. Downton
0: Abbey. Okay, I thought so. I thought it was something. One of the, I haven't watched Downton Abbey, but it was one of those shows. Um, okay, we've got two left. Um, okay. So the next is Storm. So Storm, as you know and have pointed out, has been played by Halle Berry. Um, Storm is one of the more interesting characters in the X-Men because she um, has almost complete and total full control of her powers. She's always been very confident. She's always understood how to utilize her powers um, and is a really important member of the X-Men. Again, one of the kind of original um, main X-Men characters. So any thoughts on who you want to have? be Zoe,
1: Zoe Kravitz.
0: Zoe Kravitz. Great choice.
1: Because she's going to be the new Catwoman. She's going
0: to be the new there Catwoman. They're similar characters. She might as well be the new Storm. <laughs> okay, last one. Oh my one. gosh,
1: Auntie Halle Berry also is Catwoman.
0: Yes, she was. In that <laughs> terrible, terrible movie. Uh, okay, we've got time for one more. Last okay. one here. The Beast. So the Beast um, is, uh, he's, he's a scientist. He's actually been played by Kelsey Grammer as well as Nicholas Holtz. He's a scientist doctor who had a, a kind of pretty simple mutation, but then through, through his own work, um, he accelerated his transformation and is now stuck as a blue creature. So Beast is the next one. But very intellectual, that's the thing. He's gotta be smart and intellectual, but also the ability to rip someone in half. So Taylor. But he's blue? He's all blue. He's all blue in fur.
1: Does he look like a human?
0: Um he's got human-esque characteristics to him, but he's definitely like more beast-like. Like you sort of look at like a um like a big gorilla. that's
1: not fun to cast at all.
0: No. But um, again, I'll tell you, Nicholas Holtz played him, and so did Kelsey Grammer.
1: I'm going to go, and this may be controversial, but to me he looks like a scientist. Mm -hmm. He can be. Um, He's Farmer Oak from Far From the Maddening Crowd.
0: Farmer Oak from... So
1: So he's like... um, You know who else would be good, though? Now that I'm thinking... uh, So anyways, (laughs) before I get ahead of myself. So uh, it's Matthias grown in arts
0: oh yes i know him yes he's he a, looks yeah. like he
1: a scientist that could become yes, a beast
0: absolutely he's great
1: oh but, and now literally my brain just
0: what did you have someone else in mind yeah from what
1: i can't remember now okay
0: but well <laughs> so um, well you I guess one. we're I mean, stuck with, with stuck uh with we're stuck with one
1: <laughs> with that guy
0: but there you um, go no that's it, that's a great choice um and oh
1: now i remember the guy from Man from Uncle, not um, Henry, the one who plays the Russian. Army Hammer. Army Hammer.
0: Army Hammer. Yeah, I could see Army Hammer. Uh, Army Hi- Hammer would have been my fan casting for something in X Men for sure. I think he's a really good actor. Um, yeah, that would be an interesting beast. He definitely, um, definitely would bring something interesting to it. I think he's kind of got. To, he's definitely going to be able to bring that scientist intellectual side to it. We've seen it in a lot of roles that he's done. Um, so that's great well there you go that's the fan casting for x-men two weeks in the making uh so have they
1: been casted
0: no they don't because it's it's now with the mcu and they haven't released the x-men yet like they haven't figured out where they're going to be yet so there's been no new cast but there is one coming so, so hollywood hit me up hollywood like <laughs> taylor, taylor curry your casting director for everything mcu um but thank you everybody so much for for tuning in once again this week we hope you're you're safe and healthy and and in your quarantine and social and physical distancing and whatever is going on for you, and that we can bring you some an hour of fun each week. Definitely tune in next week as we continue our our April movie club um, with uh, with a film that Taylor thinks I will hate. So so far we're one for one because we were correct in the first week. I didn't I didn't really like the first movie. You were kind of so so on the second one. So we'll see we'll see where we'll we see go. We'll see what happens. Well, thank you once again, everyone, for listening.
1: Ghost dreams the movies.